Hello. It is balmy but bright out. Perfect for another edition of Inspire Fireside. Won't you join us by the crackling oak log in our den? Have a glass of port? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm tired. It's but fine. I'm 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 energized though. I, I feel I feel that there's a synergy between the guest that's seated across from me. Um, that's that's all me, Max. I just bring a lot of energy to the, the table. The voice that you're hearing right now is that of Dan the Man Ziegler. Of Howdy. course, I am Max Meehan, one half owner of Inspire Pro Wrestling, newly reminted Inspire AD. And across from me, as I mentioned, is a guy who's a staple of our company, our identity, uh, Dan the Man. Dan the Man. Dan the Man. It rhymes. Dan, I got a question, man. Mm -hmm. um, so you show up. In this blue CRV that looks awful lot like mine. <laughs> yeah. You're in black jeans and a black shirt. What the fuck, dude? I mean, I don't know. I think we're both just products of our environment. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I feel like you're stalking me too, to a degree. You know, you know all my pets' names and shit. I'm trying to get in with the promoter, bro. <laughs> I uh, I bought this CRV to impress you, um, and uh, I also uh, I dress like you. Uh, Although I got to say, I got the graphic tee. Mine says, uh, I tried a lot and it sucked. I, yeah, you're going to be lucky if you get out with that shirt on your back. By the way, you're looking great. Oh. The pandemic has treated you very well. Well, buddy, I've had a lot of free time. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. I can tell. But you're looking, uh, you're looking fairly, uh, fairly stout. Thanks. You're looking burly, man. I've been, I've been bulking up. Yeah, uh, dude. I'm getting ready to really take it to the mat, I see, huh? I, yeah, you know what? That's actually exactly it. A um, good, good manager has to take care of business inside and outside of the ring, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm a businessman and I'm a business man. <laughs> and that, I made that up. I, I came up with that just now. Uh, not Jay Z. That's was, going. That's going on the shirt. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Shirts. Next step. You got to get jacked. You got to get the t-shirts. And then uh, I think you got to get like a singlet or something. I don't know. Absolutely. I'm 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 out of sorts here. I'm not really sure how to how to do it. But uh, there's there's a, there's a process. I got a question. Sure. Right off the bat. Yeah. Please. So did you give a shit about our company before I asked you to be a part of it? I did. Okay. Yeah. I actually I super did. Um. Yeah, I, I was I've been listening to these podcasts by the way. Um and one of the ones that recently came out, I think you guys you mentioned me and you say this was probably the first show that Dan the Man was at. Um and that's not true. Actually, I was I've been going to those shows way longer than that. Um I I remember it was I think it was Ecstasy of Gold 2 was my first show. Uh I remember I just remember it was the one where or it was like right at the beginning of Andy Dalton's reign. Yeah. Um. Maybe like one or two shows after he like won the title, and Matthew Palmer was chasing him, and that's where I came in, and I was a regular audience member starting from there, and um, yeah, I, I I followed you guys for, a, I actually don't know how time works, but at least a year or two before I ever reached out or anything. Yeah, I guess I was just unaware of exactly uh, when you were aware of who we were because mm -hmm. uh, I, I was I was aware of you after a certain point and I, I knew you were doing stuff at ACW mm -hmm. uh, I knew you were doing stuff with PWR mm -hmm. and I was kind of like uh, you know when you see people who have their irons and mini fires you're just kind of like wow does he really does he what the hell is he doing over here no <laughs> you know? let, let me put you over okay to me Inspire Pro was the big time on the indies and oh, awesome. wow, thank you, you know that was like 
it was almost kind of absurd because like I would I would watch the shows and stuff and I'd become I had started managing on the indies and I was thinking like how am I gonna make it and, and do it do it as a manager and um, I was like man you know what I would love to do is I would love to do Inspire Pro and I would love to work with uh, the the new movement basically I was gonna say. Chris True and Roxy, I'd love to do an angle where I got involved with them as a manager. And that was just like my little vision board thing. And that's exactly what came to pass. And it was like mind blowing. Yeah, of course, things kind of got yeah. wonky with Chris, which put you in a, you had to kind of get catapulted into his role, so to speak. But I, I thought that you did. I was really enamored by you. I love the fact that you could be entertaining, yet annoying. It's, it, there's a really <laughs> fine balance in between knowing how to annoy people, but still at the same time be engaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's go away heat, but then there's like I want to fucking kill you heat. You have a mix. That's I think. that's always been the focus, really. I guess is the is uh getting that getting that reaction. Could and you like, ever could you ever be a face? Do you think? Uh, I've I've dabbled in it a little bit. How did it go? Um, it was interesting. I actually, uh, so we, we, we kind of have to talk about PWR a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. If we're, we're going to talk about me. Talk about it as much as you need. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's where everything started for me. That was my whole bag for the longest time. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I did a, a whole arc where we like, we did sort of a, an inverted redemption arc for Dan. Now for, you know, the, the character of Dan the Man in, uh, in PWR is different from where you'll see on the indies because he's a wrestler. I actually wrestled for PWR. That was like where I started, um, and uh, and I was I was a heel. I was of course, and I was despised for a long time, um, and I had kind of done everything that I I wanted to do with with that version of that character. I'd, I'd been like a champion for a long time, and it was time for me to like back off a little bit and make space for someone else on top and that kind of thing. Um, so uh, I was like, what can I do with this character that's still interesting to me? And I was like, let me try a redemption arc for this like <laughs> completely irredeemable character, and uh, it was like a really interesting experience. It was like a total experiment. Like I tried to, I tried to really play with sympathy. You know, like that's that's how I think of like wrestling angles and stuff. You know, in terms of like sympathy and and various other kind of like you know alchemical emotional responses. Well, everything, you know? everything is a cycle. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I was like, can I do it with this character? This guy is so hated. People would throw garbage into the ring whenever I showed up, always. Just huge torrents of, like, empty beer cups would just, you know, people would, like, ding stuff off my head. It was like the NWO, basically. And I would, I would Scott Hall it. Like, they would sma I would get smashed in the face with, like, a beer can, and I would just kind of slick my hair back with the <laughs> moisture and be like, hey. And everyone was like, wow, what a prick. Anyway, we did this whole, uh, like two plus year sort of anti-redemption arc where uh dan would be put in these situations where he should be humbled um he would like lose everything he would get his ass kicked he would be like thoroughly routed on every level and um now that now that i've you know i've been thinking about this i realize that this is this is somewhat influenced by sammy Guevara. Guevara. i was actually gonna say yeah it, yeah i mean i know little little tidbits about it but mm -hmm. uh fatherhood a lot of people are like Wow, what an asshole. He never goes to anybody else's shows. But it's really not that. It's just because I'm afraid that an axe murderer is going to break into my house and kill my children while I'm gone. Fair. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a fair... <laughs> anybody who knows me knows I'm a fairly dedicated father. So I'm usually, you know, I'm at, at home with my two sons a lot, which I never really got to go to Wrestle Circus. I never really... I hope one day I get to go to a PWR show. Um, 
but yeah, I, I I'm aware of a little bit of that that mm-hmm. that that arc, but I wasn't really sure how it played out or was received because I never got to see it in real time. It was sweet, and you know, uh, I'm it kind of I'm sad that I can't get get back into that space necessarily because like I took years to build this weird thing where. Uh, you know, Dan would have this kind of sympathetic moment for one second and then veer back into being an asshole. And it was always like, I had like multiple matches that were essentially double turns Yeah. where like he would come out as an asshole. He would talk about how great he is. Someone else would come in, completely humble him, go so far to the point where Dan become becomes weirdly sympathetic, but he kind of deserves it. And then at the end, Dan would be like, wow, I really learned a lesson that I'm the best. And that I believe in myself, and no one can beat me, even though I clearly just lost. I was and, actually working toward doing something with you face-wise, and, and during our last few shows of Inspire, actually, believe it or not, I think mm-hmm. I could have actually played it either way. I um, could see that, yeah. Like, well, you know, when the cool kind of hijacked you, mm-hmm. you were kind of like this, help, <laughs> you were this helpless prop. That's true. And uh, there were people who were actually concerned for you uh, in, the, in the audience. That's the best part about doing these shows, is people kind of go, they respond... To the character, and there were a lot of people going, "No, man, that's not what Dan was doing." And I'm like, "Don't you hate him?" And they're like, "Well, I hate him, but that's not what was happening." <laughs> Excellent. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, um, I think there's a lot of mileage we can we can get out of you in, in the in the road ahead, but we are uh, alas in the midst of this right. global pandemic. Um, I got a I got a message last night from the ring crew going hey man just give us your dates when you're ready and i'm like we're not i don't care what got no dates yeah there are yeah. no dates like <laughs> are you kidding me we got like what sixty thousand uh new cases a day two thousand deaths a day we're about to probably see a tremendous spike god i'm not going anywhere we're not going anywhere we're going to be back when it feels right but we're mm-hmm. not going to endanger anybody you know hell so. yeah that i mean that's that's I really agree with that. Yeah. Um, that's that's how I've been living my life basically. You know, I've been in heavy quarantine. Um, I haven't done any wrestling, and it's uh, coming up on like it's been almost exactly a year. You know, it's March. Yeah. Early March. It's been almost exactly a year. It's been almost exactly a year since I've been at a wrestling ring. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, shit. I'm sorry. Social responsibility is important. We got to make sure we don't have any blood on our hands. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You're. I, I think. I think above all else. Um, you know, there's 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 Dan the man, and then there's Dan Ziglar. Um, the, the, well, that's not my real name. What is it? Uh, it's my real name is is uh, well, my friends call me Danny. Danny. Yeah, and obviously you can call me Dan. I want to call you Dan. Can I call you Danny? <laughs> you can call me Danny. I'm, okay. I, that's I sorry I passed that. That's a cheesy line where I'm like, yeah, my friends call me Danny. You can call me Dan. Uh, <laughs> but you're, um, you're living the gimmick, brother. Yeah. I, hey, there's an interesting subject. Um, yeah, it's important to not live the gimmick, y'all. And um. You know, I actually, when, when you first asked me to do this, I, for some insane reason, assumed you wanted me to come in here in character. No, this and, is a shoot, brother. Uh, yeah. I, I told you that. Yeah. Said, Maybe we can do that a little bit later on in the show, but for now, I just, I want to get to the core of you because the whole point of this entire experiment, and I see this as an experiment, is mm-hmm. kind of peeling the veil back and letting yeah. people kind of see... You know, I mean, I, I think that there are people who really and truly and firmly believe that, uh, you know, that some of what we do has some fundamental basis in reality. There are some people mm-hmm. who do believe in wrestling, but I think wrestling is certainly not impressive when it is real. <laughs> I think what makes it so incredible is that it's not MMA. Mm, you know, yeah. it's the illusion of it. It's it's the character work that goes into it. It's the fact that 
you have these people who are both athlete and actor. It's the drama. It's all the nuance and work that goes into it. It's not just simply things unfolding as they're meant to be by, you know, the hand of fate. It's really yeah. something that's contrived, and I, I don't have a problem saying that, you know. It, there's space for artistry. It, absolutely, you know? absolutely. When You know, I don't. whenever anybody says that wrestling is fake, I say, well, it's about as fake as going to see a rock and roll show. You don't call Kiss fake. Right. You know? You don't like, go to, out of a movie and you're like, you know, those guys aren't really superheroes, right? No, you don't do... You know, no. Yeah. These are the same assholes that pay a lot of money to go watch some Infinity Gauntlet bullshit. But my deal mm. is that, like, hey, you know, bands practice in a goddamn concrete bunker probably every other night before a show happens, you know? Mm -hmm. That's that's just the way it is. And you, I'd love and you to see, enjoy the show. I'd love to see a musician be like, is this fake? Is this fake? And just, like, show off his, like, calluses on his hands. Yeah, yeah. just shred yeah. in someone's face. Yeah. I want actually I want someone to go to a show and just go this is fake <laughs> up front. Um but uh yeah man so yeah I really I really wanted to to peel back the uh the layers of who you are. We were talking about the pandemic of course mm -hmm. and uh I think it was uh T Ray Watford who said that you had been living that most like most quarantined hardcore life you were very serious about yeah, it yeah. and of course I think one of the reasons why is because you've been taking care of a family member and I, th I think mm -hmm. like you know people can kind of get confused between character and, and real life individual but I thought you know oh, here's this guy sacrificing a lot of himself and being really dedicated and being really con you've, you've always in my opinion through observations been very concerned with your community and people in general and I think that's try to be I think that's actually why you're such a good heel Thanks. I yeah. I mean, like you gotta you gotta understand the the light to understand the darkness, the shadows. It's not a joke. Uh, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I it's mean, true. To, to it's me, true. To me, I see it as like, uh, how how shall I say this? There is like a sort of morality play element to wrestling that I think is interesting. It doesn't. It's not the totality of what wrestling is, but there there can be a thing where I thought like. You know, early on getting into this, I thought, like, I, you know, I want to be an artist. I want to make something that is meaningful, that, like, reflects reality, that has some kind of, like, positive message behind it. However, I don't think I'm the person to embody positivity for whatever reason. Why? You don't have any reason why? No, I, I, here's the thing. Are you kind of like, I mean, you know, I, you know how I always view you? Mm -hmm. I always view you as a Zabka type character, like a Johnny Lawrence. And I didn't catch that reference. Well, who? What? William Zabka, who plays Johnny Lawrence in The Karate Kid. You look oh, at, okay. You look at you look at Zabka, and he's a good-looking guy. He's mm -hmm. blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Very much epitomizes what is the standard seal of uh, all-American golden boy, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you have kind of like that up front. You have that, you know. To, yeah, exactly. I, I I've always had that, and I always thought like this is the villain, you yeah. know, for whatever reason, and. uh and I always thought, like, how can I sort of embody, like, a positive message? And I thought there was, like, a way to do it in inverse. I could say what is good by doing what is bad. Like, I could be a bad guy and just the message is don't be like this guy. Absolutely. And and that's sort of a, a positive message. And, um, yeah. That, you're an anti-role model. Sort of, yeah. Like, if, if you just do the opposite of Dan, you'll turn into a good person. Right. I, I think there's I think there's an, an interesting lining to that yeah. if ever there were a villain to say don't be me and, like <laughs> yeah literally. no there's there's definitely pathos there you know um, so yeah that's you know God uh, <laughs> that's your next gimmick man. but but here's the thing the, the reason why uh, 
and not, not just like the sort of uh, surface level thing of like, here's a blonde white dude or whatever, you know, he should be the villain, but also like my mutant superpower that I've had for my entire life, which has always flummoxed me up until very recently, is that I have the ability to get under people's skin like very easily. You know, that, you know, sometimes, I'm often not intentionally, like I'll, I'll just spend time with someone, you know, a lot of times it goes well, people are like, hey, what a charming guy, but, but you're also for, jovial. Yeah, I mean, people who are like often very happy and smiling uh -huh. tend to, for some reason, great. I don't know why. Yeah, that, I, I don't personally find that mm -hmm. to be the case, but I know. I mean, you know. But like I said, I and and, it, and just to clarify one thing, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily because you're like this, you know, bastion of Aryan identity. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's in the same way that you look at someone like Cena. A lot mm -hmm. of people don't understand why people hate him, and it's because he laughs through everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, He's a real Bugs Bunny. Nothing. Nothing really bothers him and so you don't really feel there's never that moment of peril for cena where you think that he really thinks he doesn't have a chance in hell sure yeah. whereas you look at a guy like hogan hogan had those moments where you you looked at him and you could see that he was not confident Man. and cena is just 100 percent confident and you mm -hmm. kind of imbue that that same just like happy-go-lucky confidence where Everything's cool all the time. Yeah, you know? I that really can push buttons. Like my my philosophy is Dan the manager especially is just to like have a lot of fun, just like clearly enjoy myself. Yeah. with whatever I'm doing. Um, you are weirdly positive, but you're kind of an asshole too. Absolutely, it's, it's he's awesome. he's a smug prick, and like you know, whenever I like come out to the ring, I'm like skipping around, it's and supportive. I'm kind of and I'm kind of <laughs> saying like, "Hey, everybody, good to see you. Yeah, great to see you." And they're like, "Fuck you, Dan." Get out of here! And that's I'm like, oh, don't be, don't be such <laughs> yeah. a downer. Hey, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you know, and that's like infuriating to people, you yeah. know. But oh, um, oh, people hate when mm. you don't, when you don't respond to them mm. the way that they want you to respond to them. By the way, yeah, I'm going to share an anecdote. <laughs> okay, okay. So I worked at door for many years down near Sixth Street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember one time I'm sitting at my podium at the front door, mm -hmm. and there's this, uh, you know, there's there's traffic and there's like this like like Ford with a flatbed truck full of frat boys kind of like parked right in front of me and they're just waiting to kind of waiting for the light to change or whatever mm -hmm. and one of them goes hey you you're fat and I kind of go okay and they go <laughs> what are you going to do about it and I said I don't know try to eat better I guess <laughs> and they all jumped out of the truck to fight me Jeez. it's because they wanted me to get they wanted me to get, get riled up. up they wanted yeah. me to be like fuck you motherfucker and I'm not going to do that Why? it's like I know I'm fat the no sell. Yeah, no sell. No selling. Yeah. The negativity is kind of in a weird way a virtue. I wish more people had, but you really make it uh, make it something that you use to your advantage to really make people more <laughs> incensed. So sure. I see. I see some of myself in your character. Um, well, I'm I'm trying to embody something universal. You know. Yeah. Um, that lives at the black pit of our souls. <laughs> my my central thesis is that Dan is a horrible person, and that everything that he does radiates from like a deep dark place that is like like a real patrick bateman kind of thing that just manifests as this goofball you know um but uh but once i'm once i've done the character for too long i try to give him more nuance and yeah. round him out a little bit well, that's what you want to do with all characters i yeah. think um in a lot of ways that's we've, what we've done with uh say for example jojo yeah 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 uh, jay serious another guy with a with a huge long character development arc you know yeah, I think since day one he's been kind of, uh, kind of gestating, mm -hmm. I, and uh, he's been fun. He's a character who we just talked about cycles, 
I think we had this moment where we were going to br- we were we were teasing that we were going to bring him back full mm-hmm. circle. Right. Yeah. And, and I just went, no, fuck you, and I dialed it way Man. back. <laughs> and people brutal. Were, people were mad. They bit. They super bit. Oh, they, yeah. they wanted him to turn on MJF so hard. Yep. And nope. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that that guy, that guy's, uh, he's a uh, he's. Had a hand in training you? Yeah, he's my trainer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, can you imagine a more ideal situation? Like, like Jay Sirius, JoJo, was, like, such a world-class, phenomenal trainer. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, You and Chris, both. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you guys... And, and also, I think, like... Um, and I don't, I don't mean this to sound uh, disparaging in any way. Mm-hmm. But... You guys have uh, I don't know I don't know what the situation is now I think things have maybe changed but there was a period where at the brewery where you guys did PWR stuff mm-hmm. JoJo was over there a lot yeah you guys even had your own dedicated ring I believe correct yeah I, I think that's still true yeah I, I'm sort of you know I'm out of touch with PWR and what's going on there because I left a oh there was ago. that well, there was a situation wasn't there? yeah yeah we'll talk about that should we talk about that we'll talk about that but i want to talk about one thing first okay sure the one thing that um really impressed me about you and, and chris um you know was that there are these people who are talking about being in the business mm-hmm. and they've got a ring over there and they got jojo at their disposal but i saw a lot of people that just were not making the most of that situation mm. i always i felt like more people should have been in that ring all the fucking time to kind of elevate the product or just elevate themselves so that they could tell better stories. Hmm. I've always been impressed by you and Chris because I always felt like you guys were kind of not only like these crown jewels of that company, but also in a way could transcend or move over to some other like, yeah. platform. Well, we're the two that, that did kind of make the jump um, and made an attempt. I always like, I always wanted everyone to follow me. I, you know, I was, I was the first guy out of PWR and like onto the Indies, albeit as a manager and I was always like, I'm paving the way. Come on, guys. It's like, here, you know, get in with me. Get in my yeah. car. And uh, yeah, Chris was like the only guy that ended up doing it, you know. Um, not to say that that can't still happen. And there are a number of people in PWR that could... Who are capable. Absolutely. There are guys that I think are ready to go right now. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited. Yeah. And I hope they do. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm out of touch with everyone. Here's the thing. I left PWR... Uh, under a cloud, and very few of the people in that organization will talk to me anymore. Really? Yeah. Uh, which, you know, breaks my heart. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, there, there are people in there that I want to say, like, hey, you know, when this comes back, come in the car with me. Let's go. Let's do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, you've, ne- you've never seen Doc Master before. No. The Doc Master is incredible. You talk about me and Luigi as, like, the crown jewels or whatever. I think... I think the Doc Master might be better than both of us. Really? Yeah. Or, or at least he has a higher ceiling, you know? Yeah. Because um, uh, he's built like Keith Lee. Um, and he moves like Keith Lee. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I w- I'm not going to put him on Keith Lee's level exactly, but he's, like, close. He yeah. is a huge guy yeah. that moves really athletically, really agile. He's a great promo. He was our Hulk Hogan. You know, PWR was built on Doc Master. Really? And he's a guy that never left, and he's only done PWR... But he's does he does he have any interest or is it just that I mean yeah he's got interest but like you know I I got him to like come with me to a show like once uh, you know um, didn't bite but he didn't bite I mean it's like there's been a weird prejudice toward us on the part of certain people who are into PWR I've noticed oh yeah it, it's really kind of bummed me out there are people who are either like well 
one thing, nothing has to be, in my opinion, above the other. Because mm-hmm. it's so different. It's vastly different from what we do. It's just, it's its own thing. So there doesn't have to be like, all, well, I prefer this, this is better, or this is better. It's like, to me, there's no difference. Yeah. I mean, there's there's room to mix the blood, so to speak. I mean, you know I, I mean? I'm all about mixing. Like, I, to me, it was like the diet was... You know, uh, when I when I I started, I was like, I need to I need to start watching live wrestling. I need to learn about live wrestling. I wasn't a wrestling fan before I started doing PWR, which is fucked up. I know, but no, uh, not at all. That's how it turned out. Like we, you know, we started doing PWR as this like weird, quasi ironic joke of a bunch of people who don't understand wrestling on any level. And then very quickly, I fell in love with wrestling and was like, oh, I just need to obsess with this and learn about it and become a part of it. I definitely think there's there's a there's a vein of people who look at uh, look at wrestling as being ironically funny. Yeah. Now when I see that stuff, it makes me it makes me feel I don't want to say mad, but just like it makes me feel horrible when I see people be like, yeah, wrestling kind of like, you know, snap into a Slim Jim, brother. Yeah. And I'm like, no, there's <laughs> there's so much more. Please. I mean, you don't have to like wrestling if you don't want to. If you're listening to this podcast, obviously you like wrestling. Otherwise, what are you doing? Yeah. But, like, yeah. Anyway. This is a deep cut, Yeah, actually. For sure. I mean, if, if you're here, like, you know, we, you know, you're here to, like, watch us break kayfabe and stuff, you must be in it, man. Yeah. You know, come talk to me after the show. I want to I know what's wrong with you. Well, let's get into the gross stuff because it's also going to take us down something else. But sure, I'm yeah. Gonna, and I'm going to level with you. Uh-huh. So, and uh, I hope you realize that... Uh, my home. When I let someone into my home, mm-hmm. you're in because I like you. Okay. Okay. I am a violent jerk. <laughs> uh, I have always been, and I don't let a lot of people into my home. So don't think that I am at all saying anything to offend you or anything like that. No. But I, I kind of have to kind of like to talk about stuff. If we're going to talk about stuff, I want it to be interesting and not have people think we're pulling punches or shit. Yeah, let's like not, let's not tiptoe. You know. So I think a, uh, you you can explain the situation after. A certain point, but I think, um, mm-hmm. I think from my perspective, as I was privy to it, mm-hmm. there seemed to be an issue with PWR not being consistent with how it was policing things from a social justice standpoint, <clears throat> and there were people who were on the inside who I think mismanaged the situation and didn't exactly handle it to the best of their ability. Don't give a fuck what they think; they're wrong, mm-hmm. um, because I. You know, in the scene, I police, I've been policing the scene for many years here. The music scene, the music yeah. Scene. So, I I feel that while there were people who had good intentions mm-hmm. and they were trying hard, the process was just maybe a little muddled because there were so many people involved. But I think a lot of people felt hurt because you were very vocal about saying "fuck this shit," mm. and so they felt like you should have maybe come to them, talked it out, and maybe voiced your opinion and been more involved in the process rather than just kind of being like what they felt was performative about it. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Does yeah. that make sense? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I had those conversations. I was, you know, um, I was involved with that for like over a year. Yeah. I, I was having, I was, you know, I was sending emails and going to meetings with, with management. Were you part of HR? I always thought no. it was... The, I always thought it was ridiculous that PWR had, had HR at, at, at I mean, for, I, for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good idea. Like, I, I think you got the gist of it, which is there were good intentions, uh, and but there was like a, you know, this situation was horribly mismanaged, and um, yeah, like the HR thing. Generally, the the from my perspective, it was always like 
this this issue, you know, um, we're we're talking about. Um, Let's contextualize this a little bit. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if, if anyone's gotten this far and they're like, I have no idea what the fuck these guys are talking about. Um, so, uh, there was a wrestler in PWR uh, who, uh, I, I guess, I don't want to... Was, was accused of domestic abuse, Yeah, I, essentially. I, I, Is that I, correct? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There we go. I'm sorry. It's like, I, do I have to say allegedly? You know what? Fuck the guy. I'm not going to say his real name. Um, but uh, there was a guy in... in was, there was an accusation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An accusation does not uh, intender uh, guilt. Yeah. Although, I, you know, I was I was close to the story, and, like, I'm 100% certain that he did it. And um, and I think I had enough evidence, and I think they had enough evidence to realize that. Um, so, uh, you know, as soon as... You know, I... I, I like, this, this all began, like, over a year ago. At this point, probably over two years. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, I will say this, by the way, in mm-hmm. your defense. When you look at the way that the fanship of uh, PWR responded... Mm-hmm. It was very bad. Like it was, a, it was a bad response in, in in general for the most part. I think. I think a lot of people were very upset. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing is is um, you know a big part of PWR's identity um, from very early on was this kind of idea of you know this is not like the kind of wrestling that you would see at the Mohawk where like people are just scr- screaming rape threats at the talent or whatever, <laughs> or I'm just like tossing off slurs or whatever like we were we were very intentional and very upfront about essentially trying to maintain a safe space which is weird because i feel like inspire has always been sort of the antithesis of what you saw at the mohawk as well yeah yeah you you guys you know to your credit also keep it a very positive space you know so i i thought that was like a huge part of the whole point of what we were doing you know like to me it was about like let's try to even as outsiders let's try to present like an alternative way like of doing wrestling like culturally and creatively mm-hmm. you know uh, those are the two kind of tracks we're going to do a, lo- a lot of really weird stuff in the ring and then outside the ring we want like a safe space we want like these sort of like values of in- inclusivity etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah um y'all were like the freedom school and billy jack right kind of like this hippie billy jack maybe yeah school. there we go yeah we were, we were a bit <laughs> i mean you know it was a bunch of a bunch of theater kids and you know art school kids or whatever but um, which is what that school was. Yeah, there you go. So we're a bunch of hippies. We're trying to like, you know, to me it was like an almost utopian project. You know, it was yeah. like, you know, if if we can like do a wrestling, you know, show in along these lines, you know, maybe we can do a society along these lines. You know, maybe this is just a microcosm of like a better world that we want to project. I would have these, you know, we would have these like meetings where we talk about like. You know, are we gonna do this? Are we gonna like do the safe space thing or whatever? And I said, like, look, the real world fucking sucks. We hate the real world. It's garbage. There's so many fucking problems. We're so far behind where we really need to be. Um, but this is something that we made ourselves, that we pulled out of the earth, that didn't have to exist, but we made it, and we made it along the lines of however we want it to be. So if we make something that replicates the bullshit of the real world, what does that say about us? So let's make something good, you know, and that was to me like you know I'm a I'm a true believer in that stuff. That was the pro that was the program that was the project, um, but uh, you know, uh, you think it was compromised somewhere along the line? It was compromised. We got damn close. There's a lot. There's you know ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the stuff we did in PWR, I believe in. I thought was great, uh, and it was like this one issue where the management really had their head up their ass and 
you know, they tried to, they basically tried to protect themselves before they tried to protect everybody else. You I know? think one of the problems you have when you have something and you're like, oh, this is an organization and you begin to compartmentalize things, it develops a sort of hierarchy. Yeah. Unconditionally, it kind of mm-hmm. sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why the HR thing kind of surprised me because we've always just had an open door policy and inspire and if, there, if yeah. ever there's a problem. You know that there are people who have come and gone because we have issues. Yeah, and it's like, you know? it's a common sense thing just for the most part. Yeah. Like, you don't need an expert to, no. to be like, fuck this guy, get him out of here. Yeah. You know, the music scene, I mean, obviously, you know, in practice, there's a lot of scenes that, you know, uh, where this shit gets totally fucked up and uh, it doesn't happen the way it's supposed to and there's just predators everywhere. But I think the thing is, is that um, it felt like there, it felt like it was begging for a court or something. I have I have kind of an anecdote that really might shine light on how I think things like that should be handled. Um, I had uh, a guy in a band mm-hmm. who was playing our club. They had a show coming up. He had been accused of doing something rather, you know, insane. Pretty heinous, yeah. Heinous, yeah. And uh, there were people saying he did did it, and then there were people saying he didn't do it. And uh, people were saying, well, he should be allowed to play the show until he's convicted. And I said, I don't really care whether or not he's convicted. The truth of the matter is that there are enough people mm-hmm. saying that they see smoke, and until he handles his shit, he's gone. Yeah. And that's just the way it should be. See, that makes sense to me. Um, so, yeah, you know, the thing with, with PWR is that there was so much process. They There was an outside HR person. There that's was insane. There was, like, a <laughs> lot of, yeah. It's in a pizza chain. I mean, I what know. the fuck? I mean, to some extent, it's like... I got it. Like, it made sense on paper. It was like, who are we to, like, adjudicate these, like, profound moral questions, you know? Yeah. Um, let's, let's get an expert. But ultimately, I think, like, the, the process and the, the bureaucracy and, the, and all that stuff ended up being twisted to protect this guy, you know? Why, why do you think he was protected? You know, it was like... That's a very complicated question with a was, lot of nuance just, behind it. Was he just really embedded in the DNA of the company and they didn't want to shake the blanket out or what? And that I wouldn't say that exactly because... Was it an inner sense of justice because they felt like he... They didn't... Th- I mean, this is the thing I've been, you know, puzzling over uh, for a long time. You know, like, why did this go down the way it did? Why this guy... Uh, you know, I would need two hours to get into it, you know? But... Yeah. um. But uh, essentially, yeah, uh, it's not that he was like irreplaceable, you know, um, because we uh, we booted a different guy who was like second in command, you know, yeah. um, a year before that. Do you think it had anything to do with the fact that the accuser issued terms under which they felt comfortable with him being included in the company and then they changed their mind? Because oh. that was that seemed to be also a thing where they said first they said, like, I don't want him to get kicked out. And then they were like. It makes me uncomfortable. Like, they changed. Their, their yeah. Team. That did happen, because I actually read some of that. Okay. Emails. Yeah. Um, I think what happened there... Okay, so this this is the heart of it. Um, so I'll try to just give a, a summary of what I think happened. Um, first of all, the guy's guilty as shit. So uh, that's a prerequisite for me. Um, <laughs> he, he incriminated himself to me. Um, so I know for a fact. Um, and I gave that evidence to management, and they did fuck all with it but um essentially what happened is you know they really wanted their process to succeed um they had built this process i had mentioned earlier like our second in command guy like our cfo uh, got booted under comparable circumstances just a year ish prior 
Um, and it was hugely traumatic to everyone because we were totally blindsided by it. Everyone was heartbroken. It was the most difficult thing we ever had to deal with. It was horrible. After that, the post-mortem process to that was like, okay, we got to build a process where we're going to know what we're going to do next time. We're going to hire an HR manager. We're going to like, we're going to write, you know, all these rules on a document somewhere and, you know, keep them in a, in a filing cabinet. Um, and we're going to create this, like this, um, what's the word restorative justice model where if someone accuses one of our people they can have a mediated like process like a mediator can be brought in they can like have some kind of session with like the accuser um and uh and like you know if everything's to everyone's satisfaction they can draft up a plan and like you know this person can stay in our organization under conditions or whatever so that that's that was the plan, and then not, that's a really cool idea, right? And 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 concept it seems good. Uh, <clears throat> restorative justice is this whole topic that that you can look into where it's it's built as this kind of uh, you know I think it's to some extent it's a, it's an antidote to like uh, the carceral state, like the carceral general idea of like let's throw people in prison. Yeah. You know, ultimate, it, that's it was it was invented by like Amish people yeah. as an alternative to to jailing. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of in this weird uh, state mm-hmm. right now where I have people going. I've been talking about prison reform a lot, and mm-hmm. people go, "Dude, you know you're an anarchist, right?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not." And they're like, "Everything you're saying is like yeah. anarchistic as fuck." But no, I'm I'm definitely of the opinion that uh, reform doesn't happen. Through punishment, obviously, I think it's silly. Right, um, and I think mm-hmm. we just went through this whole um, call-out movement last year. Yeah, and professional wrestling as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the issues that I I had with it were, well, what happens to this person next? You know, you just you just throw them into the chasm, and they're just going to sit there and fester. Like, I mean, I definitely think there are lines that you cross, and you know, there. There, th- but it's just like this is a human being that's not just going to go away. So like, yeah, what do you do to fix them? Restorative justice and and transformative justice, which is its little is was like a cousin of that. Um, I sort of address those questions. I think pretty well. Um, yeah. But I think it's it's very conditional. I think that sadly there's no one size fits all. You have to look at every situation individually. As it and, should be though. Yeah, and and that and you have to look at each situation and you have to say. You know, in some cases, there are people that I think are redeemable. In some cases, there are people that absolutely need to be thrown in the fucking garbage. Absolutely. Sorry. I mean, you know, there there's some monstrous shit going on, and, like, you know, it's not up to us to fix them, and it's not up to us to endanger ourselves around whoever. Um, and uh, so anyway, so we had, this, we had this sort of general philosophy laid out, and they were very invested in making it work. They wanted the next time to be a success story. And I think that might be at the that might be the kernel of where this all went wrong is that going into this they wanted their process to be uh, proven and they wanted this guy to uh, you know be redeemed but it just this wasn't the guy this wasn't the right case um, this guy was a manipulator you know he uh, he was going to you know he was gonna say yes to whatever you asked of him mm-hmm. he just wanted to get back in he just wanted to you know. Uh, yeah, he was he was a manipulator. He was a piece of shit. I know that he is because he told me that he was, you know. Um, and uh, and and so so many ways. And uh, yeah, so that's it. And yeah, here's the thing: um, the uh, the person you know that uh, that this guy abused, I, I feel like she was railroaded. I, I've talked to her just a little bit, like not a whole lot. 
And the impression I got is that they rail, you, they railroaded her. Do they, you think she was pressured into saying some of the things yes, that she said? I think so. Um, I think essentially what they did is they came to her with this shiny, like, woke social justice, like, program that I just kind of described, this sort of justice thing, and we're like, hey, good news. We came up with this, like, super cool way to, like, resolve this problem. Um, and we'd really like you to, like, work with us on it and go along with it. And she was like, yeah, I guess. And, um, and they were like, so here's the thing. The, the incentive was uh, what she wanted was she just wanted this guy to leave her alone, which he wouldn't do. Um, she just wanted this guy to leave her alone. And they basically told her, look, if you, if you sign off on this, we'll make sure he leaves you alone. And so that was the motivation. So she was like, okay, yeah, that's what I want. And, uh, but then, you know, after time, she realized, I mean, I can't speak for her. Um, but I think, you know, she felt burned. I, that's my conjecture. She felt burned by the process after she, after she saw it through to the end. And this guy came back and was in the spotlight and everyone was like, oh, look at this cool guy. Um, she realized that's, you know. And um, and here's the other thing. Uh, not only did, did we institutionally pressure her to do this, to take part in this thing and to sign off on this process, um, the guy, the perp, or whatever you want to call him, <laughs> um, he, Sorry. he was threatening her. And uh, and really, it, yeah. So he didn't even he didn't even live up to his end of the contract. Exactly. Yeah. This 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 process of restorative justice cannot be completed unless everyone involved is bought in under good faith. But this guy was threatening her. Um, he told me this because originally he came to me for help, and he like told me the whole story. Wow. And, and I was like, whoa, what the fuck? Um, and and I I remembered verbatim what he said was. Um, I told her that if she tries to ruin my dreams, I'll ruin hers. And I thought, wow, that's a smoking gun. This guy is a scumbag, you know? And, um, I told management about it and, uh, he just discounted it. You know, they were, they were like, we really want this process to work. So we're just going to fucking go with, go that's with it. That's pretty, that's pretty grotesque. That was the smoking gun. I've, I sent it, I've sent this long yeah. email. I sent all these emails. The thing is, is that I can't, you know, you can't con like accuse me of just like bucking the process or whatever. Cause I was ass deep in the process for like months over a year. I would like send an email. I would go to a meeting months would pass. Something else would happen where I'm like, ah, oh, this guy's still a fucking scumbag. And I would send an email and go to a meeting all I did was get my knuckles wrapped by... You so know. you kind of really did have to go scorched earth in order to be heard and make this visibly yeah. like a, a situation that you felt was worth... Uh, mm -hmm. just, it, I just had to go public. Because yeah. I, was, I was essentially... You know, this is... You know, this is... I felt gross is that I felt like I was keeping this guy's secret for him. And that everyone that knew was keeping this guy's secret for him. Um, and, uh, and I... But, but what I told myself was that it was about the process and it was about respecting the process. What, you know, I'm not an expert, so there, you know, I'm not an HR director, you know, a person. lot of the, uh, it seems like also that, that a lot of the people involved weren't either though. Yeah. I mean, they had corporate background. They've been involved in, you know, different services. They, you know, uh, via their yeah. actual shoot occupations, but this is also something that is highly experimental. So there should be room for failure and there should always be, I don't know, Sometimes people just want to, they want the victory, they want the win no matter what. Seems like they cheated a bit. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they wouldn't even see it that way, but like, you know, yeah, I mean, these these are people that, 
you know, a lot of them I consider to be smarter than me and a better person than me. And I still had to stand up and say, y'all are fucking up. Like, you know, you're completely wrong about this. And they would say, well, who are you to judge us? And I'm like, I just, I'm not even supposed to be here. The only reason why I'm involved in this is because this fucking guy confessed to me, you know, all this shit. And I just, I'm hoping someone does something with that, you know? And they, uh, yeah, they, they just wrap my knuckles for like, you know, fa- How did they wrap your knuckles exactly? Oh what, God! Were you penalized for this? Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what happened? Jeez. Uh, okay, so um, midway through this process, somewhere around March of 2020, I would say, um, I had already, I had already um, sort of, you know, told them about this guy's thing and. Uh, and like given my recommendation and I'm like, look, here's my recommendation. We should get rid of this guy. Here's my reasoning, etc. Obviously y'all are in charge, but just know like this is this is what I think should happen. Please listen to me. Um, in March, like more stuff came up. Um, I had people coming to me separate from this to tell me about this guy and say like, hey, my friend said this about this guy watch out for him and I'm like whoa this is a new thing this is more evidence again where there's yeah. smoke there's most probably yeah, more like, smoke yeah you know I had someone uh, come to me and say hey I just want you to know uh, hey you know you work for PWR right I'm like yeah they're like hey you know that you know that one guy and I'm like yeah I know that one guy and he, I'm not gonna name him I guess we're gonna can I I'm gonna give him a fake name this guy is, this guy is named Ronnie Cappuccino okay <laughs> okay we're gonna call him Ronnie Cappuccino. This is this is very close to his kayfabe name. Okay. If you know who I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, he was an evil barista um, in our wrestling show, and um, so that it's like, you know, you know Ronnie, right? And I'm like, yeah. And like, hey, uh, my homegirl said that she went out with him and that he was a total psycho to her. Uh, and I was like, oh, geez, I'm, uh, okay. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I just I just think you should know that because you're a guy that makes yeah. decisions there and I was like yeah okay sure thanks um, and I was like okay so that's more smoke more smoke very similar to the Stroud situation with us yeah too, yeah you, you all have to deal with this shit yeah what what was really unfortunate about that though is that he had his, his main faux pas that occurred mm-hmm. and I didn't have anybody really come to me uh, more so until after we had expelled him yeah and then you know because I he certainly had people who were defenders on his side, even mm. after we had kind of said, hey, go kick the bricks. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. And then, But then I had more people going, hey, you know he did this and this and this, right? And I'm like, oh, why didn't you fucking tell me this shit <laughs> like before, you know? I, yeah. It hurt my feelings so badly. Not, you know, I didn't take it personally, but it's just like I could have fucking prevented this one thing from happening if I'd been I mean, way back here. This know? is just the enormity of this whole problem of, like, silence, abuse you know, privileged power, it's, you know, people People are afraid to say stuff. Yeah. They, they think, okay, well, if I tell Max about this, now he has to do something. Now I'm the one that started this. People, I mean, I, I think that as as a community, you know, uh, the, more, the more daylight, the better, right? Yeah. Like, I'm all about getting it out there these days. I think that's got to be the solution. We just have to be open. We can't just let these fucking, you know, these predators just get away with shit because nobody wants to gossip, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's 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 just, that's typical of how this stuff works. People people hold these secrets. Stuff exists in a whisper network where it's like, you didn't hear it from me, but please be careful around this guy, you know, and that kind of thing. I think I'm not I'm not going to, like, 
judge anyone for doing that because some people have to protect themselves. I feel know? like in in a in a larger sense too, this isn't really a PWR thing, but yeah, we made mention of the uh, the we made mention of the call out movement. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I feel that kayfabe exists to protect now is really toxic behaviors that mm. have no place in society period it's not just the business yeah but i think it's a society as a whole um one of the things I, I felt like i was really gate kept out for a long time and i always felt like the veil was very tightly wound and even me as uh someone who was deeply involved in the business was mm-hmm. kept out of shit for a long time yeah because if i saw some of the stuff or knew some of the stuff that was going on it wouldn't have been good and shit would have gotten shaken up. I feel like a lot of the time, kayfabe, the, the, the veil behind the business or this, this idea of kind of like protecting traditional business God, yeah. is a way of really letting this... It's this, a front. Yeah, it's a front to keep the seamier side of things going because people people want that. Yeah. It's you know just a part of their... I, uh, I think there are some pathological predators that saw that see that this is how it works, mm-hmm. and they think, "Oh, this is where I can hang out. This it's, is it's this like is where I can strive." You know, yeah, they go exactly like, behind yeah. the bead curtain. Yeah, they're like, "All right, you know, as long as the bead curtain is up, I can fucking you know do whatever I want." Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's why the call out movement is good, and but mm-hmm. I also think, in a larger sense, one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this show, why I reminted Inspire Pro Inspire AD, mm-hmm. which is after death. Uh, basically, it's I it was Anno Domini or something. Yeah, no. Um, we cleared out. We cleared out the people that I felt we could no longer do business with. Gotcha. Okay? Yeah. And so I thought we needed kind of a fresh start. I hear you. Yeah, a rebrand. A rebrand, new, new, you know, new blood, new talent, all mm-hmm. that stuff. I hear you. Um, it was really important to me to basically also just shine the light on things as they occur business-wise just i mean we're not really out here crucifying people or anything but mm-hmm. we're definitely pulling the veil back so that people know what this business is about and i for certain didn't want to disappear after some long thought because i know that that shit still exists out there mm-hmm. so it needs a counterbalance and if i have to be that counterbalance so be it hell yeah man I, that's it i think I think the only way that we can make progress on this is through promoters, yeah, through workers, and through the fans. I think those are the that's the three pronged attack. Yeah, everyone has to demand a better fucking we environment. Cer- yeah, we certainly police our crowds, but yeah. also like I I see things occurring up north. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you see just the errant like just lechery and even racism. Yeah, I mean, sure. you know, I think I I've always taken pride. I didn't seek seek out to do it. It was just me blindly pushing the people that I thought were the best people for whatever we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, I didn't sit there and go, "I want a block champion," because I think in some ways that's almost more. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's just as bad as keeping someone out because of what they aren't. I mean, it, it just happened that Ricky Starks is incredible. Yeah. Keith Lee is incredible. ACH is incredible. You know, yeah. Athena. Athena's incredible. Yeah. You know, yeah, they, I mean, exactly. Yeah, it just goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. But, <clears throat> yeah, anyway, so the call-out movement, it, yeah. it's been it's been interesting. I had a long talk with Roxy. I don't know if you listened to her. I did, yeah. Her episodes mm-hmm. about that. She was very concerned. Um, and uh, I think you being around to some extent really does always be always be vocal with me about what we need to be doing, okay? I will, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's Good. That's the plan from now on. Um... Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, every once in a while, 
I don't know. I, I don't know if this is like my life's mission or anything, but I do think that there are some people that are way the fuck out of line and it's obvious and nobody's doing anything. And yeah. and like when it's that obvious, like somebody's got to say something. And yeah, I I mean, yeah. Again, you know, behind the curtain, like we all have to work together to uh to try to make this shit better cuz yeah, we're think, behind yeah. where we need to be. We need to be doing better, you know? Yeah. I think I mean but I I think that I think that we're turning it around. I mean, I've I've definitely seen some pro- progress. I don't think I don't think we're there yet. I think there's Oh, absolutely a, yeah. not. But you're never going to be there. Yeah. There's no such thing. All you can really do is take it one day at a time and, you know. Yeah, it's uh, a, it's and, an incremental thing for sure. I think so long as your values and your compass are reset and pointed in the proper direction, mm-hmm. which they weren't before. Hmm. everything is going to be cool. That's all you can really do is just hope that uh, onward and upward Excelsior things get better. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a mutual support thing, you know. Yeah, God, anyway, so shit was wild. I, I did get, I did get, uh, I got fucking, I got uh, penalized for my, you know, behind the scenes. How did they penalize you? All right, here we go. So it's March 2020. Uh Rawhide Rave was going to be our show. Okay. That was the name of the show. Yeah. Great uh, name. Thanks. I've I, always been jealous of the names and ideas. In but. hindsight, it should have been Cowboy Rave. The original pitch was Cowboy Rave, and I was like, nah, like, that's too fucking weird. We need it to, like, maybe if it's alliterative, you know, and, like, Cowboy's too on the nose. What about Rawhide Rave? And in hindsight, you know, for the record, everyone that's listening, it should have been Cowboy Rave. I'm sorry. I fucked up. It, not that, it wasn't entirely up to me, but when... When Chris came and was like, hey, what do you think? I was like, we got to do Rawhide Rave. And he was like, yeah, I'll keep that in mind. So that's what happened. But it should have been Cowboy Rave. Anyway. This, I like Rawhide Rave. You like it? Yeah. It's, I, I could, you know. I think, I think it's just the, the linguist in me really loves the, um, really loves the wordplay. Yeah. And I think that was, that was why I advocated for that. Although the jagged edge of Cowboy Rave, which does not sound good, is in some ways better to me. Like, you know. <laughs> PWR was always about always about playing with dissonance. A yeah. lot of shit was busted intentionally. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so this this the show Rawhide Ray, which was going to be about cowboys in the West and wrestling, which never came to pass because it was it was scheduled for March fourteenth, right the like two yeah. days after South by canceled. We had to pull everything out. Yep. This is the unborn child that I never got to give birth to. Um, uh, but we were just a few days out from that. Uh, I had so much shit piled up on my doorstep about this guy, Ronnie Cappuccino, you know, codename Ronnie Cappuccino. There was the friend whose homegirl had a bad experience with him who just came out of nowhere to tell me that, just like in a kind of whisper network, kind of like, hey, you should know, watch out for this guy kind of thing. And there was uh, the, uh, you know, the person who had been abused by Ronnie who was saying that she really wasn't happy with how all this turned out, you know, and I, you know, somebody else on Facebook, you know, uh, had had responded to one of my threads saying, "Hey, I don't support PWR because y'all have an abuser." And I was like, "What?" And they were like, "Yeah, this guy pointing at Ronnie." And I was like, "All right, this is a fucking problem. We got to do something about it." The show's in like five days. Everything's already set up. Uh, shit, time to write an email. And I um. You know, I, so I'm, I'm just to be clear. I'm so bought into this fucking process that it hurts. I send him an email to management and all the all the people, and I copy all the CC all the people I'm supposed to CC, and uh, I lay out again. You know, the history of the thing, what just happened to me, and you know, some people would say this is where I went wrong, which is that I said, look, 
the fucking writings on the wall. I know that you guys take fucking 14 to 28 business days to fucking make a decision on anything. <laughs> uh, you know, we can't have this guy in the show. This motherfucker brags to me about how he picks chicks up based on being a wrestler with PWR, which is this like woke, cool thing, you know? Anytime we put this guy in our spotlight, we're giving him power that he uses to abuse people. So this is unacceptable. Um, and I know you motherfuckers aren't going aren't gonna to make a decision right now, so I'm just going to make it easy for you. Here's the ultimatum. We can remove him from the show or I'm going to quit. You know, and uh, let me know what you think. And uh, I got in huge trouble for that. Um, you shouldn't be in trouble for that. That's silly. Yeah, I mean... I don't, would... honestly, I also have to say that, uh, you know, I caught shit for saying what I said, mm-hmm. but I said that I didn't feel that PWR's handling mm-hmm. or response to the public uh, outcry was satisfactory. I yeah. looked at it, and I looked at it, and I read all the shit. I, I agree read, with I you. I read all that shit, and I kept going, ooh, that's not good. That's not it. <laughs> I mean, you know, no one's perfect, you yeah. know? But I felt like they could have done a better job. If you're going to have, like, HR and all this other shit, your public response ought to be a little bit more thought out. It was pretty fucking rote in general and gross, I thought. Um, yeah, they, they definitely... And I'm not here... By the way, I just... I need to clarify. I'm not here to shit, shit on PWR. Sure, yeah. I like a lot of those people. Mm-hmm. I love a lot of the people involved. Uh, I just think that this situation was interesting and there was some spillover that we had to, you know, kind of deal with. I want to talk about it just because I think it's, like, a learning moment. You know what I mean? It's like, PWR had all the, all the good intentions... We really tried to engineer something that that was ahead of the time in terms of like dealing with this kind of like endemic problem of like abusers. Because it's a problem everywhere. It's a problem everywhere. So. so again, like I said, like I want you know I wanted this this wrestling show to be a little microcosm of like a little society where everything works because it's small enough that we can control it and we can engineer it to be something good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know this this was not the way we fucked up we we got real close and we fucking snatched uh defeat from the jaws of victory with this one and yeah like you know they paid the price because ultimately they refused to institutionally deal with this with you know internally we were you know this could have been handled and you know it would have been handled but they signaled to me a million times that they were never going to do it that nothing that I could say to them would change their minds. Past a certain point, it seemed personal and that they were just like, look, on principle, you can't tell us what to do. You know, you're not the guy. I, tra- feel, I feel like that's, that's also what they did with uh, the victim. Yeah, yeah. I felt like yeah, they, they, felt, they felt like she was trying to push them. Like she had made a statement and they were the, the attitude just seemed to be like, well, you can't say this one thing that you're happy with this one thing and then change your mind. And it's like, no, actually, that's how... That's what you can do when That's you've been victimized works. by somebody. You you can say yeah. You can change your mind always. You it's know? allowed. I mean, right? But and that and that's see that's where they went wrong, man. It's yeah. like you, you it's don't not like, it's not you like, don't attack the victim. You're not you're not selling a car here. Yeah, <laughs> you know you don't um, you don't go after the victim. I mean, my God. And uh, but at some point they realized you know it was like it was either us or them, and it was like well we got to circle the wagons around, you know even if it wasn't to protect Ronnie Cappuccino past a certain point it was to protect themselves yeah. and their own hierarchy and their own systems well i say i think we've uh, we've we've covered this fairly yeah, thoroughly can, and it, no, but it's, it's interesting as it just pertains to pwr your relationship with them and how you know i think wrestling and just people in general can handle their shit better yeah you know um i think ego is often too much at, at stake 
when it comes to stuff like this. We've got a long way to go. I, uh, yeah, I just, you know, yeah, we, we got a long way to go. I think if you're listening to this, you know, when I say promoters, wrestlers, fans, I mean, you know, as agents of change, you know, I think, I think fans can demand change too and should, if, if they care about this stuff, if they see that like James Ellsworth's on a card Blast the promoter, you know. And that's Sorry. what happened. You that's know? what happened exactly. when that happened. Up, what was it? SWE is that? Yep. Who? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that company, that company rubs me the wrong way at times when I see how they respond to stuff. But it, it's also really discouraging when you see people defending it. It's it's yeah, real weird. That man. yeah, I mean the the God the thing with speaking out. I you know I love that. Uh, I think it was really important that that people came out like they did. What drove me insane were the fucking people that defended that shit. And like, even just on a really facile level, people that were just like, "Oh, you don't like Matt Riddle? Why? Because you love AEW?" No, dude, it's not about that. It's not about that at all. Like, I mean, don't go online. Basically, is the moral of that story. Don't ever go online. But like, just the worst kind of victim blaming, fucking bootlicking bullshit you've ever seen in your life. You know, surrounding. Speaking out, people that like, you know, the the hardest fucking thing on earth to do is to go public with your trauma, you know, against someone who has power. And everyone saw that and was like, let's kick the person who's in pain and let's fucking tear them down. And that shit is unforgivable to me, but it's fucking internet trolls, so what do you expect? Yeah, absolutely. 